In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Hi, Cindy. How are you this evening? Fantastic. Great to be here tonight. Great. We are so glad to have all of you viewers who are with us tonight on Older Women Likewise. We have such an important topic to talk about tonight. And Cindy has prepared a wonderful lesson for us on the reasons that we oppose abortion. And we are really looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Cindy. And and we want to encourage all our viewers to listen with an open mind, open your heart, and share this program with others who also need to know these truths. Thank you so much for that introduction, Isla. Yes, I have 10 reasons tonight uh, of why we oppose abortion. And so I just want to warmly welcome everyone, no matter what your perspective is on this controversial topic tonight. We at Older Women Likewise are humble, repentant souls who once were wandering in darkness at enmity with God for having ourselves been deceived in various ways. That is until the light of God's truth cleared up our thinking as it continues to do this day. We know what it's like to be in that position, and our only confidence is in God's word alone. And tonight we're reaching out to those who support abortion, but who have open minds and hearts and humble souls and are willing to reconsider the implications of a pro-abortion stance. So before I even get started with our reasons why we oppose abortion, we want to reach out in compassion to those who have had an abortion. We want you to know your well-being is also our motivation for volunteering to talk about this. We are not just pro-birth. We are pro-life. We don't care only for babies in the womb. We care about all children, and we care about the long-term well-being of all women, born and yet to be born. And what we mostly want you to know is that on the other side of being honest about your grave sin and taking a 180 degree turn from it toward your savior and allowing yourself to be born again in the waters of baptism, on the other side of all of that are indescribably wonderful things, such as God's absolute clean slate forgiveness a brand new, beautiful life in Christ, a church family with arms wide open, ready to hug your neck, and a beautiful reunion in eternity with the soul of the child that you aborted before you knew the truth. We have sisters in Christ who can testify to all of this, having repented of this themselves. Know that we oppose abortion, but ultimately we are on your side. 
And that's why we're willing to be hated by some for speaking the truth on this topic here today. So the first reason why we oppose abortion is because God exists. If God didn't exist, then nothing would matter, including abortion, because if God doesn't exist, right and wrong, of course, would not exist. And we humans are merely physical objects that defied the laws of science by coming into existence from nothing. So if God does not exist, abortionists are right. Not only is abortion irrelevant, it's really just on the same level as swatting a fly. But of course, so is the murder of any person. You're in my own mother, our spouses, or anyone else that we hold dear, if there's no God. But because there actually is a God, as evidenced by a completely mind-blowing creation, and the fact that scientifically speaking, life has never and will never come from non-life. Because there is a God and because there is archaeological, pre-scientific foreknowledge and a vast number of fulfilled prophecies to prove the scriptures to be what they claim to be, the words of God, we oppose abortion. Because God says that every soul is worth more than the whole world in Mark 8, 36. And that there will literally be hell to pay if we murder the innocent Revelation 21.8 and Proverbs 6.16 through 19. Number two, the second reason why we oppose abortion is because abortion is excruciatingly painful. A baby's senses begin to develop in a predictable order, says a doctor named Hildelise Ailes, an associate professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School and Children's Hospital in Boston. And the first to come on board, Dr. Ailes said, is touch. By eight weeks of pregnancy, a preborn child responds to touch around her lips and cheeks. By the 10th week of pregnancy, she has fingerprints. At 11 weeks, she has begun exploring her own body from her little nest using her mouth, hands, and feet. Ultrasound scans show babies holding onto their umbilical cords and using touch to soothe and teach themselves. In fact, Dr. Connick testified before Congress about the capacity of preborn babies to have a mature perception of pain at no later than 20 weeks gestation, saying, quote, you know, we're all horrified by the pictures of the infants that were brutally killed by convicted murderer Kermit Gosnell. And yet we tolerate the same brutality and even worse for humans at 20 weeks of development. Imposing pain on any pain-capable living creature is cruelty. And ignoring the pain experienced by another human for any reason is barbaric. We don't need to know if a fetus experiences pain precisely in the same way that we do. We simply have to decide whether we're going to choose to ignore the pain of the fetus or not. It is entirely uncontested in the scientific and medical literature that the fetus experiences pain in some capacity from as early as eight weeks, unquote. And you can find that article at lifenews.com under the, under the title, Medical Expert Confirms Unborn Children Feel Excruciating Pain During Abortions. There is no question that the sons or daughters who have been aborted have felt excruciating pain. The only question is how long did the pain last and what were her thoughts as she or he at her own mother's request was murdered. 
For this reason, we stand firmly against the dismemberment of completely feeling, living sons and daughters being stabbed with poison, delimbed, and having their skulls crushed, especially now that we know that this causes excruciating pain in a feeling person. Just because the screams of pain are not audible from these innocent victims, how could any person be in favor of this fiendish action? Tonight, we are hoping that everyone with a merciful heart will find their voice and join us in speaking out on behalf of the voiceless, as Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 instructs us. James 2.26 says, quote, the body without the spirit is dead, unquote. So obviously, where there is life, there is a spirit present. This brings us to our third reason for opposing abortion. Number three, we oppose abortion because every preborn son or daughter is a person. You've been lied to if you've been told abortion is nothing more than a medical procedure, like removing an appendix, and that your sweet yet-to-be-born baby is nothing but a blob of cells. Mucus could be described as a bundle of cells, but your pre-born son or daughter is worlds more than that. If a pre-born child is a clump of cells, then so is every adult. Here's why I say that. Your child has DNA unique to him or her from the very moment of fertilization. Because you see, it is at that moment when the genetic information from her mother or father combines together. It is during fertilization that a genetic blueprint has been created in the nucleus of the fertilized egg. And a unique, beautiful, complex DNA blueprint has been written that will never again be written by any other person. The fertilized egg then duplicates and divides into two identical cells and a copy of the DNA blueprint is wondrously reproduced in each cell over and over again. This is why it is at the moment of conception that your son and daughter is fully human and as unique as you are and has intrinsic value as a human and far more than merely a blob of cells that is potentially human. The word potential human was formulated by those seeking to dehumanize your preborn child in an attempt to devalue their intrinsic worth as a human. But think with me for a minute about how inconsistent this excuse is. It is punishable by law to do harm to a potential eagle or sea turtle egg. That is that pre-hatched eagle egg or sea turtle egg. Endangered species should certainly be protected. And I would call law enforcement too if someone was intentionally stomping endangered sea turtle eggs of potential sea turtles. But something evil is at play when the intrinsic value of a pre-hatched endangered animal is recognized, but a pre-born human is entirely dispensable and unprotected by law. Beyond unprotected by law, parades of women now hold signs that celebrate a mother's freedom to hire someone to delimb and crush the skull of their nine-month-old preborn daughter.
to those who are listening to this program and are proud of your abortion, in order to help you realize the humanity of the personhood of your aborted son or daughter, I ask you this. Do you ever wonder what could have been? Do you wonder if your daughter would have had a voice just like yours so that when you would have spoken or sung together, it would have been almost indistinguishable? I wonder if she had eyes the color of your mother's or the exuberant, contagious laughter of her aunt. What would have been her favorite flavor of ice cream or her favorite song? With whom would she have fallen in love? What would have been her love story and whom would she have married? What good might she have contributed to this world? And what would have been the names of her own children had you chosen to give her life as your own mother gifted you life? Our arms are wide open to you should you change your mind and decide to come over to the side of truth, the side of light, the side of life. God is all about fresh starts. Number four, the fourth reason why we oppose abortion is because one person's convenience does not allow them to determine the value of another person's life. Listen, everyone, including you, is going to be inconvenient to someone, and we believe your right to life is more important than the whims of someone who wants you out of their way so that they can have a better time or have more resources. If you become inconvenient at your workplace, your coworkers are not allowed to brutally murder you, right? If your teenager becomes inconvenient to his or her teacher, they are not allowed to poison them, thank heaven. Or if it's between 1933 and 1945 and someone of Jewish descent is inconvenient to a German nationalist with Nazi goals, that does not give the Gestapo the right to haul away the innocent to the gas chambers. Abortion is nothing short of our own present day Holocaust and is every bit as nuts as Hitler's Holocaust. The Nazis called execution special treatment. An abortionist calls exterminating preborn children health care. Nazis called the Holocaust the final solution. Abortionists call exterminating preborn children pro choice. To dehumanize their victims, Nazis used the word Uttermenschen for anyone they decided was subhuman or undesirable, like, for example, Anne Frank. Likewise, to keep the darkest realities at arm's length, abortionists substitute more sterile terms, such as fetus or embryo, for the harsher realities that is your son, your daughter, your child your baby, or infant. Furthermore, those who support it use the same dehumanizing arguments that Nazis and slave owners once used when they were deciding if someone lives or dies or could be used according to how convenient they are. Abortion is not about human rights. It's about murdering innocent people. Abortion is not about women's rights because when a female is aborted, you have taken away her rights. If you are defining whether someone is a person or not based on your own convenience, that is an 
always has been the nature of evil. If you're defining a human being by whether or not you want it in a particular moment, that is just as vile. What else happens when being human is not enough to qualify you for natural human rights? What happens is that the same arguments are used by those in favor of euthanizing parents and grandparents that they'd rather not care for. If that sounds cold-hearted to you, realize that it's just as cold-hearted to snuff out the life from a pre-born son or daughter because having a child is too expensive. If you are pregnant and listening to this and feel you cannot financially afford to care for your son or daughter, know that there are millions of people who would gladly take in your precious child into their home. And if you private message us, we can get you in contact with someone who will help you find a loving home for your own son or daughter. The fifth reason why we oppose abortion is because one's bodily autonomy has never given anyone the right to take the life from another. To those who love to shout, my body, my choice, we invite you today to wake up to the reality that every single law that has ever been created tells you what you can and cannot do with your body. In the most recent school shooting, the shooter had a body, but having a body did not grant him the choice to use his body to murder children. Your argument is invalid, and that shooter proved it. You get to choose a lot of things in life, but you do not get to choose whether another human will live or die. Another slogan that makes no sense is, quote, don't like my abortion, don't have one. Because it's like saying, don't like slavery, don't own a slave, but don't make it illegal for farmers who need it. Don't like white supremacy, don't be a white supremacist. Do you see? Since abortion is murder, what you're saying is don't like murder, don't murder anyone. Makes no sense. Slave owners looking for a more convenient life didn't get the right to choose to hold slaves. Why? Because your right to choose stops at the rights of other human beings who by their nature have intrinsic value and thus the right to life. If a parent has the right to choose to murder their pre-born son or daughter, why should other parents be punished if they decline to feed or clothe or shelter their children? Are you taking away their aut autonomy by expecting them to use their bodies to care for their own flesh and blood? Are you forcing them to use their bodies to do such? To the my body, my choice crowd, are you not telling these parents what they cannot do with their bodies when you say that they cannot use their bodies to withhold food from their son or daughter? To those who say, keep your laws off my body or keep your laws out of my uterus or the government should not tell women what to do with their bodies, unquote. Civil societies expect parents to meet their innocent, defenseless and vulnerable children's needs. In fact, the more vulnerable and dependent and weak the child is, the greater the parent's responsibility. And a positive pregnancy test means that you've made the decision that led to what you knew it could lead to, and that is creating life. It means you're a parent now. And as a parent, you have responsibilities to your son or daughter. Even pro-abortionists condemn parents who neglect and abuse their children. 
the truth is all parents are responsible for the lives that they bring into the world, regardless of the level of their child's development. Your autonomy does not grant you the right to murder your son or daughter, either before or after birth, because you have not been given the godlike power to decide if your preborn child is human. A non-human does not turn into a human at the point of exiting the womb. The vaginal canal does not magically confer personhood to your son or daughter, and neither does the first breath confer personhood. God confers personhood and has already decided that their humanity began in the womb. We know this because Jeremiah 1, 5, God says there, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And by inspiration, King David says this, quote, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them, unquote. Psalms 139, 15, and 16. The sixth reason why we oppose abortion is because every abortion is entirely preventable. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, quote, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, quote, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So here's God's plan in a nutshell for ending the abortion controversy. Colossians 3, 5 through 6 says, instead of putting to death our sons and daughters, we are to, quote, put to death whatever is worldly inside you, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. It is because of these things, says this verse, that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, unquote. So the simple answer is almost too obvious to be stated. If we, God's creation, acknowledge God's obvious existence and followed his laws prohibiting taking the life of the innocent and prohibiting all sexual recklessness, abortion would never happen again. For the most part, we women are holding the cards here. If everyone saved unprotected sex only between married covenanted partners when they are choosing to have children, abortion is prevented. If you've conceived a child outside these holy boundaries, we love you enough to tell you that God says the fornication alone has put his wrath on your head, according to the verse we just read. And the solution, there is a solution, and it's this, draw near to him by honoring the sacredness of sexual intimacy and refraining from adding to that sin, the murder of your preborn son or daughter. Again, there is a God, and no matter how much sex is made the culture's primary focus, and no matter how many children are sacrificed to the false God of sexual recklessness, Sex is not God. Sex within the holy covenant of marriage is certainly a gift from God, but only God is God. And he has all the answers that we need to prevent, 
resolve or cope with every single social dilemma mankind faces. But be warned, if we ignore his answers, he himself declares that his wrath falls heavily on those who abort children. Amos 1.13, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. The seventh reason we oppose abortion is because it brings out the worst in men. Abortion is about avoiding responsibility and enables men to more easily use and dispose of women. How unjust that women who are in favor of abortion are using identity politics to attempt to close the mouths of half the population. That is concerned men who speak up against the dismemberment of completely living, feeling sons and daughters, some of whom are their very own flesh and blood. This silencing of men because of their gender is sexist. And the slogan, no uterus, no opinion, attempts to make voiceless these voices of reason. Listen, we all benefit when everyone is allowed to take a moral stance on any concern for the well-being of others. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. When you see something happening that you know God says is morally wrong, the gender or race of the person who stands up for what's right matters not. For example, if wealthy white men who fought against enslavement of black people had been silenced from speaking up because they weren't black, the Emancipation Proclamation would not have happened in 1863, freeing the slaves. This nation's greatness is measured by how it treats its weakest members. And right now, these weakest, most vulnerable members of our nation are our pre-born babies. So we as women want to thank the courageous men who have joined us in supporting the most vulnerable among us. Your vocal stand in protection of the weak has brought out the best in you. May God bless you for that. The eighth reason we oppose abortion is because we'd rather our civilization not implode. You'll not likely hear this in history class because your public education at present has an entirely different agenda. But with some honest research, you will come to realize that many, many nations that have preceded the United States of America have collapsed from the inside out due to violence and sexual debauchery, including ancient Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Canaan, Sodom and Gomorrah, and ancient, ancient Rome. All nations that once were leading world powers but no longer exist, who among other immoralities offered their sons and daughters in human sacrifices to their false gods in many cases. It's a sad truth that, quote, a nation that kills its children has lost its soul. Unquote. As a nation, we simply cannot afford to lose the favor of our true and living God who has brought us this far as a country and has blessed us so much as a nation. He holds our national security in his hands and he deserves our loyalty and gratitude by embracing his wisdom through living out the virtues he has given us in his word, such as godliness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. The moral decline away from God's moral standards is happening at a speed many are comparing to the Titanic's collision with an iceberg. If a pregnant woman is killed because two people were killed, 
it is considered a double homicide. But as of 1973, if a woman hires someone to take the life of her child, that act of murder is considered her right. At present, we've declined to the point that there are six states that will happily allow a mother to end the life even of her full-term baby. According to the World Health Organization, every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This corresponds to approximately 125,000 abortions every day. In the USA, where nearly half of pregnancies are unintended and four in 10 of these are terminated in abortion. In the United States, there are over 3,000 abortions every day. 22% of all pregnancies in the USA, excluding miscarriage, end in abortion, according to worldometers.info. Obviously, being in the womb is the single most dangerous place that a person can be at present. Surely this is the gravest of sins and the biggest stain of all on America. It's a familiar cycle of any nation that has lost its soul. Quote, first we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who still call evil evil. Now trending are mothers who take pride in celebrating the freedom to legally dismember their own flesh and blood. The slogan, shout your abortion crowd, openly showcases their abortions and encourages all women to do the same. As vicious as the murder of full-term infants is, the nature of moral decline is that it never stops, but only proceeds from bad to worse. Women now even use abortion as a kind of status symbol to prove their loyalty to the left and sadistically market abortion by highlighting all the good that happened in their own lives for having ended the life of their son or daughter. You'll find them online beaming about how great their abortion was or casually talk about the violent death of their son or daughter with as little gravity as one would talk about running an errand. To pro-abortionists, I'll ask this, are you sure you want to live in a culture where everyone feels good about doing this to their own flesh and blood? Surely you realize it won't stop at preborn children, right? It won't stop there because it's not just children that get in the way of living the life that people want. When all that matters is getting people out of the way so that you can get what you want, this is the very selfish, perverse, violent mindset that will destroy civilization if the culture does not do an immediate 180 degree turn back to God. Without this return to God, the question then becomes, how barbaric of a world would you like to leave your children? Get used to school shootings because the truth is when we remove inherent value from an unborn child, we are also devaluing every human life and are literally destroying our civilization. The ninth reason we oppose abortion is because it's completely unjust for the innocent to get the death penalty for the guilty. 
when a child dies because of his or her parents choosing to be sexually reckless, the innocent has been given the death penalty because of the guilty and instead of the guilty. When a child is conceived by rape, in every case, the convicted rapist has committed a crime that is worthy of death. Simply put, we are for capital punishment, but are anti-abortion because people who sexually abuse children, rape or kill people, should be killed. But babies who have not killed people should not be killed. Ask yourself this. Why is it that many on the left support abortion also push to let rapists out after five years in prison, leaving women again vulnerable to attacks? Can you see what that inconsistency reveals? The truth is the greatest deterrent to rape is the swift death penalty to all convicted rapists. And upon their death, the victim and the child conceived by rape should be financially supported with whatever material resources the rapist leaves behind. None of this will, of course, make up for the victim being raped. I wish there was something that could undo rape, that could unrape a woman and take away the trauma of those memories. Abortion doesn't do that either. When it comes to children conceived in rape, what is the right thing to do? The answer to that question begins with this fundamental question. Is your and my human right to life grounded in our being human? Or is our right to life grounded in the circumstances under which a human was conceived? The voices of rape victims have a lot to say on this topic, but all too often they go unheard. LifeInstitute.net gives these women an opportunity to speak for themselves, and this is what they say in their own words, quote, those encouraging abortion for rape victims often do so because they are uncomfortable dealing with the issue. We are encouraged to think that destroying the baby solves the problem. It's seen as a quick fix, but it avoids dealing with the woman's true emotional, social, and financial needs. The writer goes on to say, I, having lived through rape and also having raised a child conceived in rape, feel personally assaulted and insulted every time I hear that abortion should be legal because of rape and incest. I feel that we're being used by a pro-abortionist to further the abortion issue, even though we've not been asked to tell our side, unquote. Another site that gives victims of rape an opportunity to tell their side who have experienced the torment of being sexually attacked and conceiving a child is the website afterabortion.com. In an article called Abortion Doesn't Help Rape Victims Say Women Who Have Been There, they and others in their situation would argue that, first off, rape does not make their baby any less valuable. People conceived in rape can go on to live a life that brings much light into the world. These women would argue that the fact that their children were conceived in rape does not make them any less human. They would argue that rape does not make murder right, and that despite how excruciatingly painful the crime committed against them is, that 
Uh, they say, we are glad we did not murder an innocent bystander. If you let these women speak, many will tell you stories of how they not only bonded deeply with their child born by rape, but some have even found the birth of their innocent child to give them great purpose and to be among their greatest comforts in life in healing from the trauma of rape. Their stories teach us all that love is self-sacrifice, not child sacrifice. My life experience has been different than these women, but I can say that I know what it's like from firsthand experience to give birth, not once, but to two full-term children only because it was the right thing to do. And I'll see those children again in the afterlife. And I've spoken openly about these stories on my um, Nomad You and I podcast. But I'm here to say it's hard, but doable. And I have no regrets and a clear conscience. So we're all different. We are all different. And our stories are all different. And certainly not all women feel they could raise the child conceived in rape. And I totally get that. That brings us, though, to our 10th reason for opposing abortion. And that is this. We oppose abortion because it prevents the better option, adoption. Abortion is completely unnecessary. Many women who have chosen abortion consider it the worst decision in their life and regret that decision more than any other decision that they've ever made. And they'd give anything if they could only reverse it. There is no good reason why a life as precious as your own should be snuffed out when your son and daughter could be delivered whole and alive and be gifted life and also be a gift to an adoptive family. Treat your unborn child the way that you would want to be treated. Have mercy. Every time you see your own belly button, it's a reminder that you were once connected to your mother who chose to give you life. Give your child life. Listen, if I've given you some things to think about today and you feel yourself being pulled toward a more godly, culturally preserving worldview, you're not alone. Statistics show that many people start changing their mind as they age and mature because of the decades of observation with their own two eyes of what their previous worldview looks like after the ripple effects it causes in the impersonal lives around them. God has put within you a deep desire to fight injustice, but sometimes that fire gets misdirected and can actually result in hurting many others. So we're inviting you tonight to look around the world and instead of promoting the horrible things we've talked about tonight, use your warrior princess spirit to make the world a better place by helping women or children who are neglected, abused, or trafficked, and so on. Let's empty the foster care system one adopted child at a time. Let's stand up and be counted at every election and vote pro-life. No excuses. We need your warrior princess self over here on this side where life is beautiful under the favor of a merciful, forgiving God. Thank you for joining us tonight and have a blessed evening, dear ones. Good night.